Amen. Please be seated. A few weeks ago in our men's group, one of the guys put forth an interesting question. Did Jesus ever laugh? I mean, he seems to give us the full range of emotions. He gets mad in the temple. He grieves at the tomb of his friend. He gets annoyed with Peter and James and John. He experiences grief, bewilderment, hope, consolation. But did he ever laugh? I didn't have a great answer a few weeks ago. This evening, I hope to suggest that the laughter that seems in short supply in Jesus' earthly life is the key to understanding his resurrection. Laughter is one of the most human things in the world. Have you ever noticed that animals don't laugh? Aristotle called humans the laughing animal. Laughter opens up a joy that goes beyond words. There's something divine in laughter that humanity is invited to share in. And laughter, joyous, physically consuming, whole body laughter is at the heart of God. That's what we discover this Easter vigil. I had, an, I had an uncle who made our entire family laugh. He was a simple, uncomplicated man from a muddy podunk town in Mississippi. He's remembered for his mumbled low speech and these deep rib-splitting laughs, especially at his own quips. One of the wisest things he ever said to me also happened to be one of the funniest. You can't try and change people, son. Never forget, you can't teach a pig to sing. It'll frustrate you, and it'll irritate the hell out of the pig. <laughs> I wonder whether you've ever been so overcome with laughter that it almost hurt. If you think about the words we use for hilarity, they're very physical, almost uncomfortable words. We talk about laughing our heads off, splitting our sides, being creased up, doubled over, even dying laughing. But there are more than one kind of laughter, more than one kinds of laughter. One thing I discovered about myself when I was in seminary was that when I was worried or sad or embarrassed, particularly when I was embarrassed, my first resort would often be to try to, try to be funny and make a joke out of it. Eventually, I realized that if I was going to be much of a priest, it was a habit I needed to let go of. After all, being a priest means giving people confidence that whether they're discovering despair or joy, the glory of God or the terror of emptiness, they can do it in the presence of someone who won't be out of his or her depth. I realized that sometimes my laughter signaled that I was out of my depth. Sometimes this defensive kind of laughter is all too necessary. It's amazing how much laughter you find in places of dire poverty and oppression. In these situations, a sense of humor often means the ability to see irony and incongruity and paradox, and so to take the world a little less seriously. When you look back on the times in your life, on those occasions 
where in, in fact were the most difficult times of your life, when somehow the explosion of laughter was a release of pent-up frustration or disappointment or hurt. That's one kind of laughter, but there's another kind of laughter. The second kind of laughter is about attack. There's lots of this kind of laughter in the account of Jesus' crucifixion. The soldiers mock Jesus by putting a crown of thorns on his, on his head. The chief priests mock Jesus by saying, he saved others, he can't save himself. The passerbys mock Jesus by saying, you talked about destroying the temple, but you can't even get yourself down from the cross. Even the bandits crucified next to Jesus mock him and taunt him. It's all a big laugh. We know the humor of this kind, laughing at other people. Whether it's the most basic slapstick humor or more sophisticated satirical cartoons, the purpose is the same. We feel just that little bit better about ourselves and the world when we see the other guy is really pretty foolish. And the release of tension and sense of reversal makes us laugh. When the other guy is famous, powerful, or oppressive, humor is often the best, the most dynamic, and the most successful way of getting one up or one back. Think about these two kinds of laughter for a moment. One is the laughter of defense, of denial, of distraction, of, of wishing reality weren't so demanding. The other is the laughter of attack of the determination to have the last word, to make the other guy look small, to cut the world down to less than your size. The first laughter is flight. The second is fight. This is the world that Jesus came into. And what Jesus brought was a different kind of laughter altogether. It's an infectious, irresistible laughter. The laughter of a newborn who's just let out a gurgly gick sound. A laughter of a blind man who's just received his sight and is caught up in the hilarious game of trying to figure out the difference between people and trees. The laughter of Lazarus, who's shedding his grave clothes like they are a bad habit. The laughter of a woman who searched high and low and found a lost coin. Or how about that surge of uncontrollable, uncontainable joy that welled up in the heart of the prodigal father, whose son had just come stumbling into view. A playful laughter that doesn't humiliate or dominate, a laughter that doesn't deflect or deny. After the tears cleared, most surely the laughter that Mary felt in the garden with Jesus. G.K. Chesterton said, Joy, which is the small publicity of the pagan, is the, giant, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. It's almost as if laughter doesn't show up in one scene of Jesus' recorded life because it was the quiet but constant current that carried him the whole way through. The laughter of one who knows himself to be so fully God's beloved, so completely claimed, so finally delighted in, that he can't help but move through life with an irresistible, infectious joy. To know and feel that God is too busy delighting in you to ever have time to be disappointed, whew, sometimes that'll just make you laugh. 
the same laughter and joy that sang in Jesus' heart during his life and broke forth in his resurrected body is the same laughter that the Spirit slips into our hearts this evening. It's a laughter that knows neither defensiveness or attack. This is a laughter that looks in the tomb of grief and sees that death is holding the losing hand. This is a laughter that has known the cross, known the torture of the world, and yet refuses to be nailed down by it. It might feel irresponsible to laugh this Easter vigil, especially when so much of the world seems to still exist in a Good Friday space. But know that the laughter at the heart of this evening doesn't diminish or downplay pain and death and loss so much as it knows that these aren't the end of the story. It's a laughter that has seen into the heart of darkness and has seen through it. And through the heart of darkness, so we learn this Easter vigil, is the face and presence and glory of God. So if you find a certain joy bubbling up within this evening, a certain delight in life, an intuition that death's awful seriousness isn't the last word? Go ahead. Join God this Easter vigil and laugh. Amen.